Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. You know, in every one of the four Gospels, they have a different perspective of what happened. Not necessarily what happened, but a different perspective of, of uh, the cross and the resurrection from all different kinds of points of views, and it tells all different kinds of stories. But all four Gospels, all four of them allude to the fact that Mary Magdalene was both at the death of Jesus and at the resurrection. All four of them tell Mary Magdalene's story. Mary Magdalene, her name is mentioned 12 times in the gospel, which is more than most of the disciples. I'm looking at you, Bartholomew and Thaddeus and all those guys, right? Most of you, before I said that, didn't even know Bartholomew was one of the 12 disciples, did you? <laughs> there's a new name. There's some pregnant ladies in the room today. Bartholomew, that's the one. But her name is mentioned 12 times in the Gospels. Like I said, more than most of the disciples. She is one of the few that followed Jesus through his trial, stood before him at the cross, and watched him as they rolled the stone over the grave. It is no question that Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. It's no question that Mary Magdalene was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You know, sometime before Jesus died on the cross and before her interaction that we just witnessed before, done so well by our people here at the church, before that interaction ever happened, at some time before she ever knew Jesus, Mary Magdalene was just a girl, a woman that lived in a little town called Magdala that was on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, which was a small little fishing town. And the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot of details about Mary Magdalene. Uh, we don't know how old she is. We don't know if she was ever married or not. We don't know what kind of life she lived. The only thing the Bible actually tells us about Mary Magdalene was that she was possessed by seven devils, by seven demons. That's the only thing we really know about her. And it doesn't even tell us what that looked like. It doesn't go into detail like it does some other parts of scripture when we talk about demon possession. You think of the, the guy who was possessed by the legion and the Gadarenes, how it said that he cut himself and he, he uh, lived among the graves. It doesn't give us any details about how the demons affected Mary Magdalene. It just says that she was uh, possessed by seven demons. Now, we do know that scripture, when it uses the number seven, it's the, it symbolically represents the number of completeness. The number seven is the number of completeness. So, again, it doesn't tell us a lot about it, but we know that she was completely overtaken and enslaved by these devils, by these demons that were in her. Luke chapter, uh, let me look here. Luke chapter eight tells us that soon after Jesus uh, had dinner and lunch with the, uh, the Pharisee, the religious leader, Simon. It says that he went from there and then kind of toured, went on a tour across different villages and different regions and bringing the kingdom of God to these villages and regions. And then one of those villages that he strolled into one of those days was this region called Galdala, where Mary was born and where she was living possessed by seven demons. 
And again, the, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details about what happened. All we know is that at some point during that visit, Jesus encountered this woman possessed with seven devils. And then she all of a sudden wasn't possessed with seven devils anymore. Jesus has a way of meeting somebody for the first time and setting them free, doesn't he? So this woman gets set free from these seven demons. And then after that, she begins popping up. Her name begins popping up throughout the gospels. And it says that, that Mary followed along. And, it, and oftentimes it, it talked about a group of, of women that, that actually uh, gave to Jesus's ministry and ministered to Jesus and the disciples and followed them wherever he went. And every time it mentions that group of women, it always mentions Mary Magdalene's name. It always says that Mary Magdalene was there along with these other women. And so be, she began this journey after she was set free from Jesus of following Jesus day in and day out. She witnessed Jesus do miracle after miracle. She saw all of that happen. She was able to sit at Jesus's feet and hear him teach, which was a privilege not granted to women in those days, but she was, had the opportunity to sit before Jesus and hear him teach and hear him share life and tell about heaven's kingdom coming to the earth. She was there when they came and they, they took him captive. They took Jesus captive and they, she was there when she, he stood before Pontius Pilate and Pilate ordered him to be flogged and she watched him be flogged and whipped and beaten. And then she followed him back into Pilate's, uh, a Pilate's area there where they, the courtroom of Pilate and heard the, the, uh, the decree to crucify Jesus. She followed the guards as they took Jesus out. She watched them as they beat him and they spat upon him and they humiliated him. She watched as as they placed the cross on his back and he carried it up the hill to the hill of Golgotha. She watched as they took the hammer and the nails and they beat them into his wrist, into his feet and shoved the crown of thorns on his head. She watched every step of that journey. She was at the foot of the cross while Jesus was hanging there dying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, comforting Mary, the mother of Jesus, as they looked upon Jesus, the lamb who was slain. She heard him say his last sentence, it is finished, and then watched him take his last breath. She watched as they pulled him off of the cross, his, his broken, lifeless body off of the cross, and she heard Joseph of Arimathea make the deal to take Jesus's body to the tomb that was nearby. And she followed Joseph as they went to the tomb and she watched them lay Jesus's body in the tomb and she watched them roll the stone over the grave. She was one of the very few disciples who was there every step of the way through Jesus's death and burial. After the tomb was, or the stone was rolled over the tomb, she finally left. After she couldn't see Jesus anymore, she, she went back home. 
And a few days later, on Sunday morning, she comes back to that graveside, weeping, as we saw here in the, the skit, weeping, broken, that Jesus was gone. And she noticed that the tomb that she watched, the stone that she watched roll over the tomb was no longer over the tomb anymore. And her immediate thought was, somebody has taken the body of my Lord and Savior. And she wept and she wept. And then all of a sudden, the angel appeared, just like we saw, and told her, why are you weeping? He is risen, right? And then she turned and thought the guy standing before her was the gardener until he said, Mary. And as soon as he heard him speak her name, she instantly knew the voice of the one who was speaking. And there on that Sunday morning, the very first person to know that Jesus was risen from the dead was this young lady that lived in a little village on the eastern shore of Galilee, who Jesus had delivered from seven demons. Why would Jesus have picked Mary Magdalene to be the very first person to witness his resurrected body? Why would he have picked this nobody woman from this nobody little fishing town to be the one to witness, be the first witness that he is alive and risen from the grave? Why wouldn't he have picked Peter, James, or John, who were obviously Jesus's favorite disciples, right? Jesus has favorites. I'm one of them. Pastor Ron's one of them. Malachi's one of them. And that's it. The rest of you follow suit behind us, right? That's, that's not even close to being true. <laughs> he could have appeared to Peter, James, and John, but he didn't. He could have appeared to the Pharisees. He could have went to Caiaphas, the high priest, who doubted the person of Jesus, who all along persecuted Jesus and wanted to stone him because he said he was the son of God. He could have went to Caiaphas and stood before him and said, told you so, right? And made Caiaphas bow before him and admit he was wrong. But he didn't. He could have went and stood before Pilate, who just a few days before sent him to the cross and stood before this high-ranking authority in the Roman government and proved that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, which is what he told Pilate, that I am the king of the Jews. I am the king of kings. He could have went to Pilate and said, told you so. And proved once and for all, word would have spread throughout the Roman government of this man named Jesus who was raised from the dead. But he didn't go to Pilate. Instead, he went to Mary Magdalene, this young woman from the what, eastern shore of Galilee, a small fishing town who was possessed with seven demons. Why did Jesus pick Mary to be the first to witness his resurrection? I believe Jesus picked Mary because he wanted to make it very clear that his death 
and resurrection was not to prove some kind of cosmic point that he was God. He didn't, he picked Mary, but not because, and he didn't go to Pilate or any of those other people because his, his goal wasn't global denomination. The cross and the resurrection, the reason he picked Mary to be the first to witness his resurrection was because the cross and the resurrection was for us. The cross and the resurrection. He picked Mary because he loved Mary Magdalene. He loved Mary Magdalene. And he chose her to share with us, to prove the point that he didn't do it for world domination. He did it because he loved you. He loved me. He did it because he wanted to prove that the cross and the resurrection was for the little kid, the high schooler who was struggling with thoughts of suicide. He did it for the mom and the dad who are fighting or on the brink of divorce. He did it for the dad who works all day long and comes home and is exhausted and is running on fumes. He did it for the mom who, who struggles with self-image and self-doubt. He did it for the ones from Rigdon and Tipton and these all little small towns, Elwood, Fairmount. He appeared to Mary Magdalene to prove to us that the cross and the resurrection was for you. It was for you. The cross and the resurrection was incredibly personal. It was incredibly personal. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Another story that we read in the Bible. Well, before I do that, let me, let me, let me read this scripture. Hebrews 12, two says that because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Once again, the cross and the resurrection was personal. It says that it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. The joy that you would know that you would be his. The cross and the death and the resurrection was not some distant event. It was personal. Shortly after Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, he appeared to another group of people, right? Jesus went from uh, talking with Mary Magdalene. And later that night, it says that the disciples were all together, right? In a room. And it says that Jesus appeared to the disciples. And of course, they go crazy. They're, they're excited that Jesus is alive. And it says that Jesus breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit on them. And then he left. All of the disciples were there except for one. One disciple was missing. Thomas. Now we don't know where Thomas was. My theory is they ran out of chips and he just drew the short straw and had to go get him, right? But Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas comes back to the room and he's carrying the Doritos and he comes back into the room. And, and as soon as he walks through the room, all of the disciples go around Thomas and like, Thomas, you're not going to believe what just happened. Jesus himself just stepped into the room. 
The man that died, the man we followed for three years, walked into the room and stood before us. Mary Magdalene wasn't lying. He is alive. And they're ecstatic and they're telling Thomas all of this. And Thomas is hearing all of this. And they're thinking Thomas is going to be ecstatic, but Thomas instead is upset. And he's a little bit angry and he's a little bit sad. And Thomas says something that earned him a reputation. He said, guys, unless I see the wounds in his hands myself, unless I put my hand in his side, I won't believe it. And from those words, we've unjustly called him Doubting Thomas. Now I say we unjustly called him Doubting Thomas because I believe we have labeled him completely wrong. Let me tell you why I think we labeled Thomas wrong. Thomas followed Jesus every single day with the other disciples. Thomas stayed with Jesus when the people were rejoicing him and the people were yelling, crucify him. Thomas was there every step of the journey. In fact, it says that in John chapter 11, it says that when Lazarus died, it said Jesus stood up and said, let's go to Bethany. And other disciples were leery of that because Jesus was wanted in Bethany. They knew that if Jesus stepped into Bethany, that he was taking a chance of being taken at that moment and killed. And all of the disciples were cautioning Jesus about going to Bethany. And Thomas stands up. He said, let's go. If we die, we die. Now that doesn't sound to me like somebody who has any doubts about who Jesus is. That he was willing to follow Jesus into death. I don't believe that by him saying, unless I see the wounds myself, unless I touch his side myself, I won't believe. I don't think that was him doubting. I think that was him saying, I followed this man. And I am not going to take somebody else's word and encounter for granted. I am not going to take their word for it, that I want to see the Lord myself. It wasn't words of a man who was doubting. It was a word. It was words of a man who was broken because he had followed Jesus and he thought he had missed the encounter with the resurrected Jesus. But something amazing about Thomas is at that point, that brokenness, that anger, that that thing that he had inside of him for missing the resurrected Jesus didn't cause him to flee, but instead it says that he stayed with the disciples, that he never left the room. Because even though all of these guys were talking about seeing Jesus and they were all ecstatic and he was in the corner by himself, upset because he missed Jesus, he stayed in the place where encounter could happen. Few days later, few actually, it says a week later, all of the disciples were in the room. And it says that Jesus appeared to them one more time, and this time Thomas was there. And it says that when Jesus appeared before them, all of the disciples were in awe, but then it says that Jesus looked into Thomas's eyes. And he said, Thomas, come here. He said, Thomas, look at my wounds in my hands. He said, Thomas, give me your hand. 
He took his hand and he placed his hand on his broken, wounded side. And he said, do you feel my scars? At that moment, Jesus had already appeared to the 12 disciples. They were already giving reports of his resurrection. He had appeared before Mary. He had already convinced the people he needed to convince that he was raised from the dead. But that night, he didn't come for the other 12 disciples. He came back for Thomas. Because his death and his resurrection was personal. He didn't die for the masses. He died for you. He didn't die for Peter, James, and John. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. He obviously died for them. But that night, he didn't come for Peter, James, and John. He had already, they had already witnessed it. He came that night for one person. And it was Thomas. The point I want to make with Mary and with Thomas is, is really simple this morning on Easter. That we don't make the cross and the resurrection, this huge, big event that was made for the world because the, the cross and the resurrection was done for you. The joy set before Jesus that enabled him to endure the cross was your face. And I wanna tell you this morning, if there is any doubt inside of you, the personal God himself, Jesus himself, is standing here today saying, look at my wounds. Look at my broken side. All of this was done for you. It was so your sins could be forgiven. It was so your brokenness could be whole and made well. It was so you could live a life of he is in me and I am in him. The cross and the resurrection was personal. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Team, why don't you go ahead and come on up? Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to close your eyes just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want you to imagine Jesus standing before you right now, resurrected Jesus. I want you to see the wounds in his hands and the, the scar on his side from where they pierced him. And I want you to hear his words from Hebrews that says that you were the joy set before me that enabled me to endure the cross. I know that there's brokenness inside of you. I know that there's wounds inside of you. I know some of you are dealing with depression. Some of you are dealing with maybe even suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're that dad I, I, I said earlier that's exhausted, that's weary, that's, that's just running on fumes because you're just going 100 miles an hour and don't get a break. 
Maybe you're that mom who's struggling with self-image, who's, who's dealing with just loving yourself. Maybe, maybe you're uh, somebody in this room that's dealing with an addiction. Maybe there's some kind of brokenness on you right now. I want to tell you this morning that the cross and the resurrection was for those things. That he came to set the captive free. That the brokenness that you have inside of you is healed because the cross and the resurrection was for those wounds. The wounds on his hands and the wounds on his side was taken upon him for your wounds. It says in Isaiah that by his stripes you were healed. By his stripes you were made well. And I want to give an opportunity this morning for you to embrace the gift of the cross and the resurrection. That there may be brokenness on inside of you right now, but he came to heal that brokenness at the cross and the resurrection. Pastor Ron sent me a scripture earlier this week from Colossians, I believe chapter three, verse one. And it says that his resurrection is your resurrection. And in Romans chapter six, it says that his death on the cross was your death on the cross. That when he died, it says that you died. But then later it says that when he was buried, you were buried. But then the glory of Easter is not that he was broken on the cross, not just that he, was, he went to the cross and it's not just that he was in the grave, but the glory of Easter is that he was resurrected from the dead and he left all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the brokenness, all of the pain in the grave with him. And then it says his resurrection is your resurrection. So any brokenness that's inside of you, he's here to redeem it today. If you've never encountered Jesus before, if you've never accepted Jesus before, today is your day. So again, with every eye closed this morning, I want you this morning, if there is brokenness, there's two calls this morning. First one, if there is any brokenness on the inside of you, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with self-image issues, if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, if you're dealing with, with any form of brokenness, then I want you to raise your hand with me this morning. And I wanna pray over you this morning. If there's any addiction, any brokenness on the inside of you, then raise your hand with me this morning. Father, I thank you that today, today, Lord, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that these here this morning that are raising their hands are raised to newness of life, that the old man is dead. Behold, all things have become new. God, and that you have come this morning, Lord, to show us that the death and the resurrection was for us personally, Father. God, that you had us on your mind, that the joy that was set before you that allowed you to endure the cross was us. And Father, I thank you that any brokenness that is on the inside of us can be made completely well today in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now, those with their hands in the air would begin to feel and experience the tangible presence of Jesus. That just as Mary, when she heard her name uttered by the lips of Jesus, Lord, that those here today would hear your name, hear their name uttered from your lips and it would bring healing to their body in the name of Jesus. That the brokenness would be healed, that the captivity would be released in the name of Jesus. 
God, you are broken for our brokenness and you were raised to newness of life so we can live in newness of life. That the life of Christ, the life of Jesus quickens us and we can live in the newness, the life of Jesus. And I declare that for those who are broken today in Jesus name, in Jesus name. And now I wanna invite those of you who have maybe never asked Jesus into your heart before, who have never made the commitment to follow Jesus with everything that you have, who have never experienced him standing before you, telling you that these wounds and these scars are for you. I'm telling you this morning that those wounds and those scars were for you. They weren't, they were, obviously they were for your neighbor, but they were for you. And he's calling you home today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where everything can change. The emptiness, the void that you feel in your life can be filled today by the man named Jesus. And listen, for those of you who I'm talking to this morning that, that have never accepted Jesus, it's not... We're gonna initiate that today with an experience, an encounter, and a prayer, but it is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of knowing him. It's, it's not a one-time interaction, but it's a daily interaction where he's inviting you to come daily and commune with him. He's inviting you to daily come and experience his goodness and his presence. It's not a one-time thing. It's not, I'm snapping your ticket today and you get to go to heaven now. It's, it's so much more than just going to heaven. It's actually heaven coming to earth. It's the goodness of the Lord, not being experienced when we get to the by and by, but it's the goodness of the Lord being able to be experienced every single day of your life right now from this day on, being able to know what it is to experience the goodness and the love of Jesus. And so if you've never asked Jesus in your heart before, I want you to raise your hands with me this morning. And this is gonna be a moment of interaction. This is gonna be a moment of initiation for you today. Just raise your hand with me this morning if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus, God, I thank you that the cross and the resurrection was for every person in this room raising their hands. God, that just as you came back into that room for Thomas and Thomas alone, that God, you are in the room right now for these individuals with their hands in the air. God, that you are revealing yourself to them this morning because you love them because you were willing to lay down your life for them. That even though they have fallen, even though they have messed up like we all have, God, that you see beyond all of that, just as you saw beyond the woman who was possessed by seven demons, you saw beyond all of that and saw a woman that you loved and that you cared about. God, you see beyond all of our mistakes and our failures and you see somebody that you love with all of your heart. 
And Jesus, today they are saying that they want to know you and experience you. So Father, I pray that this morning they would have an encounter with you that would absolutely change their life for the rest of their life, Father. That today would be a day they remember all the days of their life. That today would be a day that they tell their grandkids and their great-grandkids that that day on Easter Sunday at Harmony Church, I encountered the living God who loved me. And it wasn't just a knowledge. I know I've heard before that God so loved the world, but that day I experienced that love for the first time. That day I felt that love. That day I encountered a love that was beyond what I could have ever imagined or comprehended. And that love was for me. God, let today be the day that their life is changed forever. Let today be the day that the brokenness and the weight that they have carried their, all, their entire life would be lifted and they would experience the goodness and the love of Jesus, the experience, the love of the Father for them. That today you are reconciling them back to yourself. God, I pray they would encounter that right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.